The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up! No, he didn't unmute to, yourself. He forgot to unmute. Himself. He forgot to unmute himself. He did it. He did it. I'm the one. I just want oh, to go on the record that on the 201st <laughs> episode, I'm up. the guy up. who. <laughs> I'm back, baby. Uh, wow. Yeah. I'm just. This is the first time I've been doing this at my house. I don't know. What, what I, can I say? First time I have, it wasn't me that didn't unmute his mic. He so. doesn't have, have uh, me I, to help him press a button. I have no excuse. I have no excuse. So here we Man, are. It's going to be a good day when I'm better than Mike, the cop at the beginning of the show, when I'm <laughs> better than he is, uh, it's going to be a good day. Better at jujitsu, better at podcasting. <laughs> Let's not go too far. Let's not go too far. <laughs> I have rolled I, with Mike, the cop, and uh, it was the worst experience of my life. I've never been so tired, more exhausted. I think I went into Rapto and I only rolled for like three minutes. Maybe it wasn't even three minutes, but I was already whatever those CrossFitters call it. I was pissing brown. Rapto, all yeah. The place. Yeah. Gotta yeah. love it. Dude, how was Dude. your trip? Really quick. I didn't get a chance to talk to you. You've been out of town for like two weeks. Dude, I was gone for, yeah, almost two weeks. It was crazy. You look younger. Man. You look younger now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, it was good, man. It was on in San Antonio, uh, which is just Detroit inside of Texas. It's really not that big of a difference from here. to home. And they have a river. There was like people swimming in it when they shouldn't be. It was just pretty much like home, only in Texas. And then... Uh, Went to three places in Florida, Orlando, which is terribly plastic. It lacks any and all character. If you're from Orlando, I don't like you. And that includes my family that I visited when I was there. Uh, and then Tampa Bay, which is the place in Florida for me. I like that area. Ooh, what? And then Fort Lauderdale, Tampa which sucks. is just, ugh. Fort Lauderdale is like, ugh, why? No, I'm going to leave here. It took you like 45 minutes to drive three miles. It was not enjoyable. Just too many people, man. This is crazy that you're complaining about any other state when you live in Michigan. Like Michigan's like the armpit of the United States. <laughs> no, that's Ohio. <laughs> Speaking of Ohio, I'll be there on Tuesday. I've never Where been. Where's the bicep? What are you doing no, on Tuesday? Right. We have a live show with One More and I'm Out of Here podcast. We'll be with Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. The guy that got arrested, the, the lieutenant colonel that got arrested by the Marine Corps for calling out the Afghanistan debacle. Uh, yeah. I am Pitts will be there with us. Oh, nice. Drew Breezy will be there. Y'all are um, fancy, man. Should be a really fun turnout. If you want to go, it's a free live show at a bar. The thing is, is that in order for us to confirm it without selling tickets, you have to DM me at Failure to Stop or Eric Tanzi Official and let me know that you want to be there. And then I will share with you the address. And it's a free show. You can meet us in Cincinnati Tuesday night uh, from like 4 to 8 p.m. Any, any time in that window, 4 to 8-ish. I'll probably be a pitcher of beer in by 8-ish. So I'll probably keep going. So it's my just a hangout. It's not a show. Like there's not. No, there's it's a not, show. It's a show. It's, all, it's, all it's a four-hour long show. Uh, no. Nope. The show's an hour long, I think. The show's from like 4 so to 5. So you're doing it four times? Four, five, nope. six, seven, nope. and eight? The four, show five, is from six, 4 to 5, and, and then five the hangout. The, the hangout's three hours. Okay, what, what time is the show? Four to five. Oh, okay. So that should be clear because there's a lot of people that are going to show up at seven. Could be five to six. 
I think that's what it is. I think we're all meeting at four. Show goes live at five. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say you probably want to let people know. <laughs> to go out on a limb and say that you got to DM me, and then you'll get all the information. Because all I do is uh-huh. copy and forward you the information from what they gave me. <laughs> so because it's not my show, it's not failure to stop show. It's one more and I'm out of here podcast. We're just guests. They just all right, we've got to address a couple of other things before we get into the show. But what are what are we talking about today? Let's let, before people click off of the video. Yeah, sorry. This what, the what show is like about? a sandwich. Mike forgot to tell you that part. Uh, the show is long, right? It's for first responders. We do four shows a week. This show being our flagship show, we do a case breakdown today. We're breaking down the Paul Pelosi case, what we know now. And we also have a special guest, ex uh, NYPD F slash FBI counterterrorist expert, uh, Kevin Hollinen, who's also works uh, or, or kind of wrote the policies, and I might be misspeaking, but he'll come on here to clarify in a minute. Uh, but he wrote all the security protocols for counterterrorism for Major League Baseball. And we are in the middle, of the, we're in the thick of the World Series. So I'm excited to bring him on. Um, and he's going to kind of chime in with us about this whole Paul Pelosi thing. But before, before we get started, before we get into what he's got going on with his book and counterterrorism and FBI and all the things... Um, we're first going to talk about the whole Paul Pelosi getting hammered uh, breakdown. Um, okay, cool. We got two other things that I want to talk about before we get into everything. Um, first of all is in the comments, they're talking about Detroit having the Roach House. And yes. the Roach House is actually very, very close to the underpaid producer's house. We talked we just about did a this whole on the last call. Just did a whole episode on I the joined, Roach House. I joined last call. Oh, really? Call. <laughs> yeah, we, we, <laughs> nice. we broke it down that there is a crap bag who is living in my neighborhood that was evicted, and <laughs> roaches are there's has to be thousands and thousands of roaches in this house. That's like twenty houses well, from me. By now, there's probably hundreds. millions of roaches. That's right. He kept saying tens of thousands. I'm like, homie, Listen, it's hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Eric, I'm trying to make myself feel better. I have to spray outside. <laughs> Elijah's of my house outside like constantly a, just fogging, like fogging everything area. around his his belongings. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I <laughs> That's what happens yeah. when meth heads are allowed to own houses. Oh gosh, it's so close. I just think they should burn it down and then redo the sewer system. Yeah, you got to burn it and start over, dude. Yeah. So yeah, the UPP has been very stressed. <laughs> I legitimately went and looked at um, <laughs> condos yesterday because I'm, I Dude, don't want to be anywhere near roaches. Don't buy a condo. I know, but I can't sell the house. You guys know I'm in real estate, right? So I, I can't sell the house when the roach gate is is in full swing. <laughs> I can't. You got to wait. You got to wait till this blows gate. over. It's like a political scandal. You got to wait till it blows over before you like rerun for office, you know? Yeah. Is there more roaches in Washington or more roaches in Detroit? There's more roaches right DC? in my neighborhood. <laughs> Uh, right in my neighborhood. Speaking of roaches, have you seen Barbarian? No, it's called The Barbarian. What's that? It's not called Barbarian. But it's about Detroit, anyway. Oh, good no, new I, movie. I haven't seen my fa- it. My fingernails are still painted from uh, Halloween. Gross. Um, what was the other thing I was going to bring up? Oh, I know what I was going to bring up because I talked about it this this morning on social media. I'm absolutely sick and tired of anybody thinking that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. You are. All that embodies what is wrong with society. If go. you think that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, there is there is no there is nothing about Die Hard as far as a Christmas movie plot that is any less 
than any other movie you consider a Christmas movie. The whole plot of the film is a man trying to get home to his family for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he is interrupted by bad guys. Now, yes, he has to overcome the bad guys, but what is the point? To get home for Christmas. It starts and ends with Christmas music. There is a Santa outfit in the in the movie. He has a gift that he's trying to get. What What more Christmas do you want out of this movie? Michael, I don't understand why you have to come on here and rant and preach to the choir. This would be like if it's I It's not went to on the choir. Rant. There's people in this audience no, who are going to disagree not. with me and they there need to leave not. this stream. There is not. They, they, yes, there everybody is. They in just here, it would be like me going on a rant talking about how stupid state troopers are. Everybody agrees with me, so I don't need to do it. <laughs> like everybody in these chats understand that state troopers aren't real cops. They get that already. Everybody in this chat believes movie. that Die Hard See? is a Christmas movie. It's everybody not. agrees with you. It's not. I, I disagree. So, well, yeah, how can you disagree? Going. It's just as much of a Christmas because movie not as the Home main Alone. Focus. That's not the main focus of the movie. It is the main focus of the movie. Nope. This this ugh, God why why I don't even know why I showed up today. This is ridiculous. I'm not I just wanted this to put debate. it out there. I think it needs to be dealt with once and for all. It needs to be squashed. It's a Christmas movie. It's I a know, Christmas I understand movie. Everybody that. knows it's a Christmas movie. Elijah doesn't even count because he would argue with you. He's he says there's just whatever. Elijah's going to argue just to argue, so we don't even need to go with that opinion. <laughs> Die Hard's a Christmas movie. End of story. We all know it. State troopers aren't real. <laughs> They're a conspiracy. <laughs> They're a conspiracy. The birds have cameras. Let's yeah, move Kanye's, on. Kanye's going to get canceled for talking about the reality of state troopers soon. <laughs> Dude, I, the funny thing is, though, is that like... Uh, the state troopers have been taking it very well. I've been getting a lot of good messages. Keep up the jokes. We love the jokes. So, uh, I, you know, they take it a lot better than the Marines take the Marine Corps jokes. And being an Army guy, I love to make fun of the Marines. But the, the Marines will get really defensive. Um, <laughs> and I thought the state troopers would be more defensive. Because remember, when we first started with the state trooper jokes, like the first two messages I got were like really like angry state troopers, which, you know, kind of made their stereotype real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. thank uh, you for now, proving my point. Now uh, that the message I've been flowing in, they're really starting to understand the humor, and uh, they're <laughs> taking it really well. They're kind of they're kind of like firefighters, you know, where they just kind of accept. They're like, yeah, they're right. I they're did, right, so we'll uh, just... in, my, in my workcation, I hosted two events, like did the MC work for two different events uh, at the first one. So I, I, I typically, when I'm like, you know, warming up a crowd or talking to them, like I always recognize military service. So I go through the different branches and I kind of crack jokes. Um, and the Navy is always, you know, definitely something, uh, of, of a gay variety. And the first event, literally the next ballroom over was the Navy celebrating their 247th birthday. So I said this joke and, uh, it was it was basically like please don't tell these guys next door that I'm making fun of them because the last thing I want my grandkids to see like on my tombstone is here lies Mike the cop killed by a pile of semen and uh, <laughs> so and then then I then I made fun of Navy SEALs in front of Jason Redman at the next event uh, which if you don't know who Jason Redman is look him up he's he's a, a wounded warrior Navy SEAL dude and uh, man yeah so good times making let me fun guess of- he has a book. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. If he's a Navy SEAL, he has a book. Absolutely. A, they well, learn that in good buds. Navy SEAL. They learn that in buds. Um, they go through sleep deprivation, and then instead of taking tests like the Green Berets do, like math tests, they're like, "You start writing a book right now," <laughs> while you're tired, and they're like falling asleep writing a book. Like there I was wrestling an alligator. 
Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that was a Lone Survivor reference. Um, but anyway, uh, you ready to dive in? You ready to bring our guest on and dive into this Paul Pelosi breakdown? Yes. <clears throat> How much do you know about it? How much do I know about Paul Pelosi? The the uh, the hammer I know, incident. I know that the alleged statements he made were something along the lines of "Who are you? What are you going to do to me?" Which mm. I think would have been like Paul Pelosi. I I I don't envision. There's two different tones, right? I envision Paul Pelosi saying, "So who are you? What are you going to do to me?" That's how I envision Paul Pelosi okay. saying these things. Yes, because there is no reason on God's green earth that. Um, the, any of this makes sense on the surface. Every cop that I know that that worked a beat and answered calls like this listens to this and goes, mm, "That doesn't pass the smell test. This hmm, something is weird." And uh, for some, he's an awfully the 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 perpetrator is an awfully weird MAGA guy for having a Black Lives Matter flag um, in his front yard. I just think uh, that's really that's an odd it's uh, an odd mix. So we'll Very see. We'll see. We'll see what the expert says, though, because I am not I am by no means an expert on Paul Pelosi matters or FBI investigations. I do know that when a cop does something that people don't like, they sure do demand that body cam footage immediately in the Ooh. spirit of full transparency. And for some reason, these um, moronic politicians in Northern California, both in the OWI incident or DWI or drunk driving, however they say it in California incident, and this one don't seem to want that body cam footage out. I want to see the body cam footage of this response. I want to know all the details of the call. I want the whole audio released in the spirit of full transparency. After all, all of these people are connected to public officials that we support. But anyway. That is very interesting, though, and I we've we've discussed that on the DWI incident that uh, if that um, you know we're really quick to release the body camera footage in any other instance, but when it comes to politicians, eh, maybe we don't discuss. I don't know if that's fair or not, but we'll discuss it here in a few minutes. I'd like to introduce my guest, author, uh, NYPD retired uh, uh, FBI counterterrorism task force creator. Kevin Hollinan. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. Gentlemen, thank you. My pleasure. Uh, Kevin, before we get started, really quick, you authored a book. What's the title of that book? Really quick. Over the Wall. Over the Wall. And we're going to get into that book here um, shortly. And I don't know. I asked Mike. Let me ask you, Kevin. How much about the Paul Pelosi case do you know do you know anything about it are you hearing about this for the first time what what uh how much do you know or do you have an opinion formed about the paul pelosi assault incident <clears throat> well as uh, some politician i think or a newsman said i only know what i read in the newspapers but uh yeah i've i've read about it i've seen some uh <clears throat> discussion on tv about it but uh i don't know my sense of it is that uh, uh Unfortunately for the Speaker of the House, she got a lot of uh, negative publicity and uh, was uh, apparently offending uh, some. And uh, this uh, disturbed individual uh, elected to uh, go and uh, and deal with her. Yeah. And- it's great because we saw this with the um, 
Well, what was the the kidnapping that we covered, Mike? What, Gretchen the, Gretchen Whitmer. The, the Gretchen the, Whitmer the kidnapping. The fednapping of of uh, of Gretchen Whitmer. Now, that was a crazy case. And when we broke that case down, that one even shocked me. Um, of course, being that there were more FBI informants than there were actual perpetrators to carry out. Uh, and I think when you hear stuff like that, when you hear things like Jesse Smollett, it's a no wonder why people might question the authenticity of of this attack and from what i what we know so far about this attack is uh and and this is just coming from uh court uh, the court documents that we have now of course you know like the dwi that we covered a lot of this stuff doesn't come out to us until way later and so we, there are a bunch of holes but uh paul pelosi uh woke up twice this this happened on october 28th at about 2 30 in the morning which is a high crime, a high crime time of day. Three o'clock in the morning is the witching hour. If you want to set your alarm clock to take a, a take a pee break in the middle of the night, I would suggest you always do it <laughs> between that two thirty and three o'clock in the morning time frame because that's when all the heinous crimes take place. If you go and listen to any of our true crime episodes, I would say the mass majority of them, I would say eighty percent of them, occur in that two to three in the clock, two two to three o'clock in the morning hour. I don't know if anybody disagrees with that or not, but uh, I feel like a lot of every time I've been heinously attacked, it's always been between two and three. Jesse Smollett case that happened uh, almost exactly at two in the morning, if I if I remember correctly. Probably wintry blizzard. Um, But anyway, he woke up. Gotta get that subway sandwich. Need that foot long. Gotta get that subway sandwich. But I mean, that's that's when you know that's when you really start. I mean, that's when ca- cars are broken into is that like whole two, three o'clock in the, in the morning time frame, which is, you know, oftentimes when SWAT teams hit houses, too. So I guess there is uh, there's definitely some legitimacy there for for uh, for those hours. Um, but uh, on October 28th, Paul Pelosi woke up to a man standing in his bedroom holding a hammer. Allegedly. Asking for his wife. Now, I'm just going to go off of what the fa- from from the case, the facts as has been presented to us. So I'm not going to go into my opinion on it just yet but i'm just going on on these on these statements this is how that it plays out is that he woke up to a man standing in his bedroom with a hammer that's my worst nightmare i'm gonna be honest with you if i wake up and there's a dude in my house with a hammer i i hope he's faster than i can get that gun from underneath my pillow because uh i'm lighting that ass that's that's your nightmare that's my dream (laughs) <laughs> i'd be like hey this this little uh glock 42 or or 48 or 17 or 19 whichever one i want to select out of this this handy dandy end table right here next to my bed is definitely faster than your hammer <laughs> stop <laughs> the guy's like sitting there and he's like hey what's going on Mike? i wouldn't even just call the cops on. i just toss hold them out the back window from my bedroom and just call it a night go back to sleep worry about it in the morning no yeah. one's ever gonna know that guy was there yeah i mean you can't you don't want to interrupt that sleep on a ghost bed one you're not gonna wake up because you're sleeping on a ghost bed which, by the way, today's show is brought to you, ironically, by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Sleep so good, it's scary. You'll sleep right through a hammer attack on a ghost bed. <laughs> Papalosi, if he would have been sleeping on a ghost bed, he wouldn't even have woken up to the intruder. Claim not verified. The, tr- <laughs> the, tr- the intruder would have been trying to wake him up. He's like, get up. 
get up. And he's like, man, I'm sleeping on my ghost bed. Get off of me. Uh, but no, he wakes up and there's a man standing over his bed with a hammer and he's asking for Nancy Pelosi. And this is where the, the case gets very strange. This man is named David DePop. He's a, an immigrant from uh, Canada, 42 years, uh, 42 years old. And this is going to happen in Richmond, Richmond, California. Uh, he wakes up uh, Paul Pelosi asking him where Nancy is in a, in a, in a, you know, in that kind of haze of just waking up, we've all been there where you're just confused and everything. I'm pretty much, if somebody's standing in my room with a hammer though, I'm, I'm, there's no haze for me. I'm up, I'm, I'm fully alert. But in, in this instance, he says, uh, Paul Pelosi says that he's, he's in a haze. He's, he's kind of groggy and he wakes up and he, and he, he's confused. <clears throat> and, uh, the gentleman asks him repeatedly where Nancy is. And he tells him that Nancy's in Washington DC and she's going to be there for a few days. David is standing there with a hammer and a handful of, uh, zip ties, white zip ties as, as it's stated, uh, in the articles. And he's demanding to know when she gets back. And uh, Paul Pelosi says that she'll be back in a few days. And the guy seems like maybe he's going to just sit tight and wait for a couple of days. He tells Paul several times, according to these documents, several times that he's going to tie him up. But he never ties him up. And they have uh, some kind of discussion. Paul Pelosi, at this time of day, was sleeping in his pajama top and boxer shorts. Um... And he says, uh, uh, the first thing that comes out of DePape's, is it DePape or DePape? I have no hey, clue. But, uh, Kevin, you got to chime in on that? David, is it DePape or DePop? Uh, unknown. I don't know. I don't speak French. Uh, DePape, oui, oui. Uh, I'll just call him DePape because uh, I mess up names anyway, uh, so I might as well just really screw it up. He asks, are you Paul Pelosi? Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Uh, he's, you know, she's not here. She'll be back in a couple of days. Uh, he says several times, I'm going to tie you up. He never does. Um, they sit back down on the bed. Uh, Paul gets up. Um, they have, uh, an argument. Paul sits back down on the bed and then, um, he asks, why do you want to see my wife? Why do you want to see Nancy? Uh, the guy says that he wants to see her cause he's, she's next in line to the president. She's second in line. I don't think she's second in line though. Right. She's like third. Hmm. Third, third, yes. Third. So would, he's wrong there. It'd be quite um, the He emergency says, well, she's number two in line for the presidency. Uh, and then he says that we have to take them all out. Uh, Pelosi asks uh, if he could call anyone. And DePape says, sure, go ahead. Paul Pelosi then calls 911. Um, and this is where it gets kind of... Now, I, I've been in a case like this before, domestic violence cases where somebody used the phone and they're very vague because they don't want to piss off the intruder or they might want to sound like they're not on the phone so that they don't continue to get their ass beat by the domestic violence situation they're in. So I've heard the 911 audio and if I want to look at it objectively, it does to me sound like Paul Pelosi is trying to be uh, calm in, in the phone call. Like he's acting like he's calm. I know that the Republican media and everything like that wants to blow this up, that it might be something more nefarious. But honestly, from the story that Paul Pelosi tells and the actions on his phone, I kind of think this thing that seem to think that it's reasonable that this intruder could could truly have scared Paul Pelosi to death. It would, it would scare any normal person to death. And so if you were given the opportunity to call 911, you would probably sound more fake than not because you're trying to de-escalate the situation. And in this case, that's what Paul Pelosi does is he calls 911 and he's trying to be 
very vague. And he says he says things like, uh, you know, that one operator says, do you know this person? And the person answers up, yes, I'm a friend. And Paul Pelosi responds back that, yes, he's a friend, but I don't know him. (laughs) Um, And again, that's not something odd to me because I feel like I would probably say that same thing in that situation if a dude had me hostage with a hammer. Do you guys as law enforcement officers see anything weird with that? No, I think that's uh, consistent. I think your observations are right on. Now, if we want to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole, I get it. I get it. We could do that all day. Let me finish the story and you could do that. But I think if we're going to look at it just objectively for a few minutes, I think that it's reasonable to think that, yes, he was very scared about getting smacked in the head with this hammer or whatever. Uh, By the way, I would be freaked out. I don't know what I would do because this would just this would be a terrifying incident. How DePape got in the house was he broke the window to the back door and came into the house. I would like to ask you guys this. Our chief's house is guarded 24-7 from police officers. Like, there's an officer that sits right down the road from the chief's house, or, or the ex-chief. I don't know if the new chief does it, but when I was an officer, there was an officer 24 hours a day, seven days a week, sitting down the road from, uh, from our chief's house. Why wouldn't there be somebody sitting at Nancy Pelosi's house? Any of you guys got an answer for that? I don't know. Well, I do know that the police camera, there, there are cameras that are there, but they were not being monitored at the time. Strangely enough, it's, and that's, that's why it doesn't start to pass the smell test. But what do you think, Kevin? Well, uh, yeah, I think that what surprises me is, is the fact that uh, if one were to break the window, that uh, uh, a silent alarm would, would immediately go off in, in, in different places. Uh, uh, to a security company or to the police or to whoever. It just, uh, it seemed to me that there would be more of a protective ring around the house than uh, what they're talking about in this instance. And and again, that is why, now I understand all sides of the story here because I try to look at these things like as a real police officer would look at these, even though we're all ex cops, I like to look at these things as if I was the officer responding, I wouldn't be able to have a political opinion, whether I like the guy or didn't like the guy, I'd have to look at this objectively. And it is hard for me to look at it objectively for things like that. It's the breaking of the window and there's no silent alarm. Like nine one one isn't already being contacted by simply safe. I mean, Paul Pelosi's house has an elevator and Paul Pelosi attempts to get to this elevator in this story, and uh, David DePape believes that the that the elevator is going to lead to a to a safe room. So he doesn't let Pelosi on. I don't know if there's a safe house. I mean, a safe room inside the Pelosi mansion or not in Richmond, California, but a house big enough to have an elevator shaft obviously can afford a a security camera or a security thing. Now DePop says that he did notice the ring doorbell, that there was a ring doorbell and he didn't care. He also didn't care that DePop, I mean that Pelosi called 911 from his bathroom. Uh, to diffuse the situation, Paul Pelosi told the dispatcher that he did not need police, fire or medical assistance, but then Pelosi asked for Capitol police because they are usually at his house protecting his wife. I also felt like that was weird. Now, I, 
I get it that Capitol Police does normally guard homes. I mean, even uh, Capitol Police here in Raleigh uh, protects a couple of places. But if I am being held hostage, I'm not asking for anybody in particular. I think. I think I'm just saying I just need somebody here, whoever's closest. I don't I, care if it's Capitol Police. <laughs> I don't care. If, I don't care if it's NYPD. <laughs> Whoever is close to my house, like let's get them here right now. Um, so he asked for Capitol Police. The San for the San Francisco Police Dispatcher, whose name was Heather Greaves, uh, called City Police, and uh, he said he would. Uh, he understood. He says, "I don't know what do you think." Pelosi asked to Pape. Another man was heard responding, "Everything is good." He thinks everything is good. Pelosi told Greaves which is the dispatcher. Uh, I've got a problem, but he thinks everything is good. Again, that would be something that would be common to a domestic violence situation. Calling on the phone and saying, hey, I'm." he says we're good. I don't feel like I'm good, but he says we're good. It's kind of like a de-escalation tactic. You don't want to be like, I'm not good and this guy's lying. Because if you say that, said guy might hit you in the face with that hammer. Nobody wants that. The dispatcher told Pelosi, Pelosi to call back if he changed his mind. He says, no, 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 no. This gentleman just uh, came into the house uh, and he wants to wait for my wife to come home. The dispatcher asked if Pelosi knew the man and he said he didn't. The dispatcher then asked for Pelosi's name and address. Pelosi gave it to him to Pape, then told him to put the phone down. The dispatcher asked for the man's name. He said, my name is David. The dispatcher asked who is David is. Paul Pelosi says he didn't know. This is where DePape says, I'm a friend. And that's where all the rando conspiracies that have been blowing up the interwebs come from there. Um, but Pelosi said again that he doesn't know the man and he wants the man to get the hell off of the phone or the man says he wants Pelosi to get the hell off the phone. The dispatcher offered to stay on the line, but sent the police officers to the house. And then that's when uh, the intruder enforced Pelosi to uh, to hang up the phone. And then uh, the dispatcher issued a priority a well being check uh, as a law enforcement officer, both of you guys, uh, all of three of us. I don't know what your policy was on on well welfare checks, um, but I don't think this would be a welfare check. I think if you're getting a call from from Paul Pelosi, that's probably you're probably dispatching that out as something like super high priority. No, I, I would uh, uh, Eric go back for just a second to your surprise at him asking for the Capitol Police. I think you have to understand that uh, this guy is, is scared stiff. He doesn't know what he's dealing with. Yeah. He's not thinking very clearly. So that's, uh, he's thinking, well, you know, the Capitol Police are supposed to be, you know, uh, charge of her security. They, they would be. So I think nervousness, uh, concern for his safety at that point in time, he wasn't thinking. So I, I, I can excuse that. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a good point. Um, and we've also talked in a lot of cases that people say really crazy things uh, to nine one one when they're scared, when they're drumming. and that's because you're you're focused on a lot of things. You're probably focused on the hammer in his hand. You're probably yeah, like you said, just super nervous and afraid. And and Capitol Police is just what's uh, normal to him. So yeah, I, I I see your your perspective on that, and um, uh. I, if I could, just one, one yeah, more. Thing. Sure, whatever you want. Yeah, actually, uh, got my memory going here. Uh, I did a lot of moonlighting as a as a police officer, as I mentioned earlier, with four kids. It was a good idea. I actually did security. In fact, overnight security 
for the Rockefeller family. And uh, interesting. I bet uh, they tip good at Christmas. Or they better have. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was David Rockefeller that, uh, and I was in the house, and uh, the Rockefellers would retire for the evening. And, and then uh, there were a number of other off-duty police officers moonlighting, if you will, in this way as well. But what was kind of interesting was at the Rockefeller residence, I used to bring study material. I was looking to be a boss in the police store. So I would bring study material so I would stay awake. And, and you know, when I'd get tired, I'd kind of walk around uh, the mansion, if you will, and make sure things were right. But uh, somebody told me sometime later that uh, David Rockefeller's wife used to come down in the middle of the night and she'd run a hand along the couch in the living room to see if it was warm, see if the security was sleeping on the job. Uh, oh, fortunately, yeah. my study material kept me away from it. But uh, uh, I still am surprised, again, that there wasn't more protection. I mean, yeah. with all that went on with publicity about the speaker, to have him there by himself and uh, minimum security at best. But I'm going to get into it further. My good friend at the National Academy was the chief investigator for the San Francisco DA's office for 19 years. So after this show, I'm going to be giving him a call and see if I can get more insight. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Like, uh, it, I would I would assume that the Speaker of the House has um, a security detail, right? Like, in the presence of uh, of the Capitol Police would be responsible for her security details, that there would be a small detachment that would be responsible for her when she travels, that kind of a thing. Uh, Secret Service isn't that big of an agency. They don't guard every uh, politician or, or dignitary, right? Like, so there's there's uh, a lot of people that need to be covered in some way. So it's actually a little bit thinner of security than people would think it is. But you are talking about the the third in line, uh and there, there is some security, additional security protocols around the Speaker of the House compared to just an average member of Congress. Uh, that's for sure. And like I said, these there are security cameras at the Pelosi uh, residence that are supposed to be being monitored by the police, and they were not being monitored at the time. So there's just, um, it's the same thing with, oh, weird, when Epstein... Uh, killed himself. The cameras just didn't happen to be working. That's f really freaking uh, coincidental. And who knows? Who knows with this? Why we? Why we get no body cam? Why we get no security footage? Why we get nothing except um, the dispatch end of things is a little, uh, little odd. And also, the chief of police came out and said that when they arrived, Paul Pelosi had the hammer in his hand. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. <clears throat> Thanks for the spoiler alert, Mike. Fuck. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were never talking take about Mike to the movies. Especially if he's already seen it, because he's going to tell you the ending. So, I'm just kidding. Um, I, yeah, Kevin, do you think it's weird? I, I mean, are there any red flags with you? I, I mean, we, we saw the Gretchen Whitmer thing, and and of course, there's many ways to look at the whole Gretchen. Whitmer. We we covered that one in great detail. Um, one of my favorite podcast episodes, matter of fact, because it was it was it was one that I didn't know anything about when I went to researching it. And then when I found out, I was just astonished. And to find out that a jury was like, yeah, we're not going to convict this because this is totally entrapment. This is totally like not logical. And then for the federal government to say, oh, we're going to we're going to hold a mistrial 
because a couple of these people are gun owners and, and we don't think it was a fair trial. And then they do another trial and get the outcome that they want, which is also unprecedented. Um, you know, when you have things like that, when you have things like the Jesse Smollett things, it, it, when you don't have the transparency that the government even preaches that they're going to give or that they want, right? Like the, the government's been telling the people for a number of years, we're going to have more police transparency. We're going to do body cameras. We're going to uh, do these press conferences hours after a major critical incident before we even have the facts. We're going to go ahead and do a press conference in the name of transparency. But then all of a sudden, these high profile cases were not transparent at all. And then things on top of that don't add up. And then we never know uh, anything more about it. Similar to the Gretchen Whitmer case. And that's really kind of my concern with this case. As we get moving, there's just a lot of things that are that are odd. Uh, and the security thing to me is one of those big things. The fact that and there's two problems that that arise that, that pop up into my brain. One, if it is true that this guy just broke in the back door and there was no other nefarious activity and this just truly was a crazy person doing crazy person things, well, that's not good. I don't want third in line to the president's. I don't want her husband to be able to be accessed that easily. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. If somebody can just break into the window and hold this dude hostage to the point where he has to call the police and they have to wait on the police, that's a huge major issue. Also, um, if it is something more nefarious, you know, obviously, obviously we would be upset about that too. But uh, either way you look at it, uh, there are problems that need to be solved here uh, going forward, <laughs> be it security. Because like Mike the Cop said, this isn't like uh, this isn't just some, you know, Joe Schmuckatelli in San Francisco. This is third in line to the president's husband. It's kind of a big deal, right? You know, one of the things I think you got to keep in mind is, uh, as you know, there has been a, uh, if you will, a transition uh, uh, of DAs in San Francisco. Uh, Mr. Bodine was uh, removed there uh, a few months ago. And this, uh, I was back watching this prosecutor, a woman, uh, very articulate, uh, seemed to, to know her stuff. But I think there's a hesitancy to lay it all out until there's a, a trial. Uh, but one of the things I think you mentioned, which I think is important, if there were cameras worn by the police, uh, you're right. In most instances, we, we, we will see that. The public will see that. We'll get a look at that. So I think uh, there was kind of a too much uh, uh, holding back on this uh, initially. And I think that's what obviously uh, causes suspicion that the, there's more to it. Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely because there's nothing else for you to do, right? Like ESPN. Um, I always like to use ESPN because sports does this all the time. Sports, it's okay, and that, and that's it's it's also funny because it's not misinformation. It's sports. It's it's not political, so it's easy to talk about. But sports broadcasters, these ESPN guys, and you know because you work very close with Major League Baseball, that's all they do is kind of sp spread speculation, right? They don't know who's going to win on on any given Sunday. They don't know, right. but they spend all week speculating, and they spend. Are we coming up with things to substantiate why they feel one team or the other is going to win? That's not misinformation. That's just 
tr- they don't have any answers and they won't have any answers and they have to fill a week's worth of shows so they speculate and they do these things well when the media starts to try to speculate it's all of a sudden it's misinformation or it's it's anything else and i feel like and eh, well if you don't give the media something to talk about if they don't have a winner or loser yet then they all they can do is speculate, just like uh, ESPN or any kind of sportscaster would do, and that's where these kind of con- I, you know p- they, people throw the word conspiracy around. But you know, I mean, it's not really conspiracy; it's speculation. It's a what if, and I don't know that there's anything wrong with that because, like I said, sports broadcasters do it all the time. What politicians? If politicians do it all the time with cops. They, they, spe- the they with speculate cops. and fill in the blanks constantly, constantly. Which is why they would they will constantly demand body cam to be released. The body cam footage, uh, right? right? And, and so, if yeah. you remember, twelve What's good hours. What's here, folks? Twelve hours after the Uvalde incident, which is you know just a dynamic and ever changing, um, a timeline of events there. But within twelve hours, they had solidified that the police were the bad ones, that the police were the guilty ones, and that there was no other, there was no other excuse other than cowardice and incompetence, and and that was it in twelve hours. And they released you know all these press statements. And, and that's all they gave us. They didn't give us any information about the suspect, the suspect's parents. We still don't know anything about the suspect's parents or where they went. We still don't know anything about this grandmother or where the grandfather was or any mention of that or any mention of the names. And, and so, uh, but in a case like this, a high-level high, high level politician, um, you know, we're going to be very vague and, and discreet. And, and you know, it, it, you can't blame media outlets and uh sensationalized journalism to take that and run with it so uh you know i i got in trouble on on instagram this week for posting a x-ray of a hammer in somebody's rectum which was just a funny comedic <laughs> meme but it, it was accused of, of spreading misinformation now I, I don't i think comedy is comedy and you know i wasn't trying to say that paul pelosi had a hammer in his ass but it was a funny meme um, and I have a dark sense of humor after being a law enforcement officer and a, and a veteran. My, my sense of humor is very dark. But at 2.31 in the morning on this particular morning, um, about two minutes after the 911 call ended, <clears throat> police officers Colby Williams or Wild, <clears throat> excuse me, Colby Welms and Kyle Cagney, Colby and Kyle From Cagney and Lacey Cagney. Uh, arrived at the house. Wilms rang the doorbell, but DePape told Pelosi not to open it. Pelosi opened the door with his left hand. Now, they were upstairs, I believe. So somehow they've gotten downstairs near the, the door. And maybe I'm wrong. But, you know, unless the bedroom's downstairs and then there's a elevator that goes even lower. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I guess it could be downstairs. But anyway, they get near the door. Nancy's got to be um, close to the ice cream in the fridge, so it's probably a main floor master. If I have a three or four store, if I had a mansion, I'd live on the bottom floor. I feel yeah. like the bottom, like the basement. No, I mean just like oh, the main floor. Level. Yeah, I'd like to live on the main floor. I don't want to go down the stairs to to go to the kitchen. No, I want to walk up so that I could be at the top and say goodnight to the peasants. The top. Do you think the peasants should be upstairs? No, they should be downstairs so that when I walk up the stairs, it's oh. like this grand moment, like the yes. Rockefellers telling Kevin, like, good night, good man. Good night, peasants. Don't sleep Guard on my couch. me safely. Don't sleep on <laughs> 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 Don't study too hard. Keep me safe, peasants. And then when, you, like, when you're dressed for a ball, you want to walk down and drag your hand down the railing of the stairs with your ball gown yeah, and everything. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. And my silk right. boxers. 
I would like to live on the ground level. That way I can just go straight. Because if I forget something in my bedroom, I don't have to run back upstairs. I can just go to my bedroom. But um, they're downstairs. Uh, They open the door. It's the police. Uh, Pelosi opens the door with his left hand in a dimly lit foyer. Pelosi nervously but calmly greeted the officers. Everything's good, DePape replied. When the officers asked what was going on, when the officer turned on his flashlight, police could see DePape was holding a hammer with one hand and Pelosi's right arm with the other. Pelosi had his hand on the top of the hammer. So this guy's holding a hammer. Pelosi looks like he's holding the bottom of the hammer and he's kind of got his handcuffed over it as if like to stop this guy from hitting him with the hammer. Is that what I, you think I'm picturing that correctly? Sure. Makes sense, right? Um, at that point, as a law enforcement officer, I'm putting my gun out of this holster and I'm throwing it in the other dude's face. Like, drop that hammer. I'm going to put one right between your fucking eyes. If I answer the door and somebody's holding somebody's arm and has a hammer, I'm breaking leather. Yeah. 100%. That's just me. Uh, yeah. And and I would recognize even as a lay cop, as a peasant cop, uh, middle class at best. I know what Paul Pelosi looks like at this point, and I'm from North Carolina, and I know what Paul Pelosi looks like. And so you know, especially if you're a San Francisco cop, you know you're going to Paul Pelosi's house, and you got a call like this, dude. I might be going to this call with my gun already out, because I'm like, dude, this is either like bullshit or really fucking serious, and I always. I always uh, go on, I err on the side of really fucking serious. It sounds like the response to the call, the dispatch and the response to the call was more like a confused, a confused old person or something like this, the RP. I mean, that's what they said. Literally the RP sounds confused, right? Mm. Like there wasn't a sense of urgency in the dispatchers like call, like, Hey, cars start heading to whatever address. It sounds like we may have, a home invasion in progress with a possible weapon involved. It doesn't. It, it it did not ring of emergency at all when you hear the when you hear the dispatch call go out. It sounded like, "Hey, um, we're gonna call car car X and car Y. Hey, can you guys head to whatever? It's gonna be for a well-being check. Caller states this, you know, and the anticipation is like, man, that sounds like maybe someone is confused about doesn't what's, that co- seem crazy, what's going on though? here. Does that seem crazy? Because dispatchers know. Like, I, we love dispatchers. We have a number of them on the show. Um, but dispatchers are trained to know when somebody is speaking kind of like in code, right? Yeah, I don't know. We'll need Drew Breesy's input on that because I, I, I don't know. I, I, come on. We, we all know that. Like, if you get a phone call and a woman says, hey, um, I need to order a pizza. You don't just be like, sorry, you got the wrong number, bitch. And you hang up. You're like, oh. Uh, is this pizza, what would be the address for your delivery? And then you would give them the address. It's like, right. you know when a 911 person is calling in code. I, I, I just think it's strange, man. I, I don't, being an, and you can chime in on this, Kevin, being NYPD. Well, let's just ask you, Kevin. If you were called, if you're a beat cop, not counterterrorism extraordinaire, but back on the beat, you get a call over the radio that, um, uh, that uh, David Rockefeller woke up and there was a man standing in his home and just wants a welfare check. How do you guys respond to that call? You know, uh, my partner and I always uh, had this expect the unexpected. 
because that's the way it turned out so many times because the dispatcher in many instances really doesn't have a sense of what's happened. And so we're going to this call and we're trying to, trying to piece it together, knowing obviously it's, it's a, uh, a famous person's residence uh, kind of uh, uh, takes you a little bit to a, a, a higher level of uh, what, what could be happening in there. But uh, I, I think quite honestly, you're, you're probably more on guard going into something like this because it's, it, it's kind of unclear as to what the situation is you're going into. The, she obviously was concerned uh, by Pelosi's call <clears throat> and was looking uh, to get more information. But I think uh, because <clears throat> his assailant was right in front of him, he had difficulty speaking. So I think there was anticipation going in there because you weren't sure what you had. But as you mentioned, you walk through that door and Bozo's got uh, a hammer and the, it seems like there's maybe some uh, struggle as to who's going to keep the hammer. Uh, the weapon is, uh, is obviously out of the holster and we're going to uh, see who's going to, uh, uh, who you're going to have to deal with. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough situation for the officers. And, and But they have to stay alert. And, of course, at that hour of the morning, they're kind of sleepy and they're walking through it. And all of a sudden now, and that's policing as we know it, uh, all of a sudden you go from zero uh, uh, to ten in a hurry. Yeah. Um, I, it's just – it gets it gets a little bit more strange here. So the officers turn on his flashlight. They see the holding of the hammer. Both guys kind of got their hands on the hammer, and one officer yells, "Drop the hammer!" Obviously, that's 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 pretty par for course there. And the guy says, "Um, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, not gonna drop the hammer." Um, uh, for me as a cop, can't touch this. Do 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 do. A nineties hammer. Uh, I don't, I'm not reacting very well to that. I'll, I'll be honest with you. If I say, hey, man, drop that hammer, he says, uh, no. Well, again, breaking leather, put my smoke wagon right between the dude's eyes, and I'm going to give him one more command, and I'm going to make a canoe out of his skull after that. <laughs> go um, go full tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and skin that smoke wagon. Skin that smoke wagon. <clears throat> um, at the same time, Pelosi said, hey, 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 but he couldn't keep his grip on the hammer. What's going on here, an officer asked. DePapoli allegedly wrestled the hammer away from Pelosi, stepped back, lunged for Pelosi, strike him in the head with full force, knocking Pelosi completely unconscious in a pool of blood. The two officers rush into the house, tackle DePapoli, and disarm him, dislocating his shoulder. Pelosi remained unresponsive for about three minutes. He woke up in a pool of his own blood. The suspect pulled the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi, violently assaulted him with it. San Francisco Police Chief Bill Scott told reporters. Our officers immediately tackled the suspect, disarmed him, took him into custody, requested emergency backup, and then rendered m medical aid. Fire department medics took Pelosi to San Francisco General Hospital, where he had surgery for a skull fracture and serious injuries to his right arm and hands. Uh, San Francisco police officer Ariane Starks interviewed Pelosi in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Pelosi said that he didn't know DePape. Another interview two days later, Paul Pelosi said the hammer did not belong to his family. They did do a search warrant on DePape's house uh, where they found multiple hammers, which... Imagine listen, that. If you, if 
FIFA this is why we have to ban assault hammers. They're <laughs> untraceable. They're untraceable. All hammers need serial numbers, and we need freaking permits because this our safety is at stake. Dude, you can't. The demo- you can't. Our democracy is at stake if we don't make people register their hammers. I'm going to make a coffee company called Black Hammer Coffee Company. That's what I'm talking about. Instead of Black Rifle Coffee Company, it's going to be Black Hammer Coffee Company. I think there's a film um, on some uh, illicit websites that's entitled that. <laughs> The Black Hammer. I think I I've think. seen that before. Yeah. Um, uh, De lawyer, deputy public defender, Lipscomb says that uh, the detention hearing, the suspect suffered a dislocated shoulder during his arrest. Yada yada. Don't care. Um, but they didn't really find much at his house except for, um, you know, several uh, hammers, which I, I don't think is really relevant to the case. Just because I think every household has multiple. Uh, they said they found a cell phone, cash, clipper cards. Uh, San Francisco's transit system, an unidentified card from the right pocket of DePape's shorts. When they asked for his identification, he allegedly said it might be in his backpack on the back porch near the broken door um, because he did bring a backpack that was full of weird stuff. It had um, a journal, which I would love to see, uh, a roll of tape, makes sense, a white rope, and two pairs of gloves, one rubber and one cloth. Uh, when he told, when they asked him about all this stuff, he said that his intent was to capture Pelosi and break her kneecaps if she lied to him so that when she wheeled herself into Congress, they would see her broken legs and it would, it would be a reminder that there are repercussions for lying. That was his, that was his goal. FBI agencies, two hammers, a sword, motor vehicle paperwork, IRS letters, and a PayPal credit card. That's what they seized on the search warrant from his house. Um, I wonder what kind of sword it was. I wonder if it was like a <laughs> samurai sword or a Game of Thrones or Braveheart. I, I just I wonder things like that. But uh, his quote is, I'm sick of the insane fucking level of lies coming out of Washington, D.C. This is a quote from DePape. I came here to have a little chat with Nancy. Um, that's crazy. Again, it's all crazy. Even the fact that this lunatic could just waltz right into the house of the third in line to the presidency's house and uh, and do it. Now, you as an officer, you open the door. Again, let's go back from a police perspective here. I get it. You have a lot of questions, but at the same time, you're at Paul Pelosi's house. You know you're at Paul Pelosi's house. You can't convince me otherwise that these two peasant beat cops um, – didn't know that they were at Pelosi's house and you've got Paul Pelosi fighting over a hammer with another dude. I don't see this getting to the point where that dude gets a chance to hit Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer. Am I crazy to think that? No, I think, I think you're right. I think that obviously whether they, they, they charged at the guy at that point in time, uh, physically, uh, or like I say, as you had suggested, with the gun in hand, right to his head, drop the hammer. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. But of course, you know, uh, we're second guessing uh, the police, but uh, it's it's a difficult situation, and uh, they were still trying to figure out what what indeed was going on here, and so it's. Uh, I, I don't. And I think say, yeah, that's the, the difference between San Francisco police. And potentially like other police departments that aren't so politically motivated police departments. I will tell you right now, 
And I, and I, I never like to Monday morning quarterback the police. We're obviously pro police show. Um, but I can say probably with, with, without, with, you know, with more, with, with pretty good certainty, if you will, I'm 99.9% sure that if I open that door and two dudes had their hand on, on that hammer, I, I would have, like, like you said, I would have had my gun out. Um, do you think that this was a San Francisco style of policing where San Francisco police officers have had their hands tied for far too long and they're probably just not used to, to drawing their weapon? Well, I tell you what, uh, as you'll learn in our later discussion uh, of my book, when I went into baseball, I hired police officers in every major league city. I worked very closely with San Francisco because the Giants obviously were always in the hunt. I got to know a lot of them. In fact, one of the police officers that I worked with became the mayor. Uh, uh, Frank, I can't think of his last name. But no, they're a a tough bunch too. Uh, Okay. They're trying to do the job. The political situation is uh, obviously not of their making. But uh, no, I don't. I don't think there was uh, any difference between San Francisco, New York, or Chicago, or uh, the other major cities. That it's it's as you know, where all of us go into these situations. And I think, quite honestly, what I would have done initially, as we're talking about this, I probably would would gun out probably would have went with the other hand for this guy's neck and drove him back with the gun in his chest. I mean, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I feel like I would have done. Mike. I mean, how do you act to those situations? (laughs) I I look, I look up and find out where this dude's back page account was. (laughs) That's, that's what I, that's what I do. Because this, this whole, this whole thing, I don't know, man, it's, it's whack. Like, uh, that's why, that's why I said, like, I, I can, I can hear all the things that like, as you're, as you're walking through what we do know, right? what we do know does not line up the, the, when you hear, when you hear objectively, just step by mm-hmm. step, mm-hmm. what happened? And then you hear the media narrative and then you hear your own experience talking in your ear. It doesn't. It doesn't line up. So, so there's more to this story than we know or we understand or we're being told because it doesn't make sense with how with with 11 years of responding to welf- welfare checks or possible uh, B&E's in progress or possible home invasions or someone is actually in my house calls like none of this lines up with any of my experience. I, so you're, you're, I, I'm you're trying. Right. Well, like you, like Kevin said earlier, welfare checks. You usually are a little bit more on end, especially because you know you've got common sense as a, as a good B cop. I think B cops have the best common sense. I think once you leave being a B cop is when you start losing common sense. To be honest with you, so I think B cops have the best sense of common sense. And when you're going to a high profile call like this, I, I would imagine that these cops are like, "Dude, what? What do these comments say? Like, there's somebody in his house." And he doesn't know it. This is Nancy. This is Nancy Pelosi's house, right? Yeah. Okay. And there's somebody fucking inside of this thing. Like, no, that doesn't sound like, dude, this doesn't sound right at all. Let me get two more officers. This seems strange. You know what I mean? Like you're going into this with, I don't know what to expect, but it doesn't sound right. And I'm going to err on the side of caution than anything else. So it, it is, 
like you say, Mike, it is when you add up all the facts. One, how does he get into the house unimpeded? How does he go straight to Paul Pelosi's bedroom, or, or if he did or didn't? You know, why does he only come with a hammer? Uh, you, you'd think a lunatic like this would, you know, if he's got a sword at home, why isn't he showing up with the sword? Well, I, mean, I mean, I arrest, I arrested weird homeless people with like dead yeah. frogs in their pocket, man. Like well, people, I get it, but people that are mental are mental. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, don't I got know. you there. I, I just feel like if you're going after the Speaker of the House, don't you think you're going to have to get some buy some like guards and stuff? you're gonna need more than a hammer i don't know i i just i think like it, i don't know we'll, we'll we see think i don't like i think that this i think crazy. this person i think this person in this whole situation is just being leveraged again it's it's the whole hillary clinton never waste a good tragedy so a psycho tries to go to the pelosi's house and now it's now it's all of a sudden the president of the United States is saying he said the same thing that they said uh, on January 6th and trying to connect these two as though they're part of the same uh, plot. And it's so distorted from reality. And that's why I said like every cop that I know that thinks about the situation goes, nah, nah, something, something's weird about this. Like the the whole the whole thing just smells weird. And I would rather have all of the information. I would rather have the body cam released. I'd rather have the 911 call released because that that would be helpful. Now, I heard the 911 call, but I couldn't like verify the 911 call. So I I mean, I didn't really play it cuz everywhere that I try to get it just comes from like a from links and and we don't typically do that on our shows. Um but uh, you it is it is a World Series season. Um Kevin, you are really close to baseball. And I'd like to just take just a just some time really quick because we are uh, one who are you rooting for? Let's start with that. Who are you rooting for in the World Series? Well, you know, the, the good news is I can root because when working for baseball, you could not root. You were paid mm-hmm. by all 30 teams, and therefore your loyalty was with baseball. But I have to tell you that I was winning to the Phillies because of the unfortunate situation that happened in uh, Houston some years ago. Uh, I don't think that was handled right. I think that World Series trophy should have been removed. Uh, it's not a piece of tin, as unfortunately some weed official of baseball said. It, it is a very important trophy, and it signifies, obviously, championship. So uh, I haven't totally forgiven uh, Houston yet, but uh, Dusty happens to be one of my favorite people when I was in baseball. He was a real gentleman, and uh, – I'm kind of a little bit rooting for him. So kind of split, but leaning towards the Phillies. Uh, Mike Mike is uh, really big into this next question, and so I, I'm sure you guys can chat about it. Uh, Mike's really big into to life after the career, and Mike Mike the Cop has a, a very successful um, 10-7 project and, and lots of other things to help law enforcement officers transition from law enforcement into the afterlife. You transitioned from law enforcement <laughs> into – Major League Baseball, how did that come about? How did you go from being a counterterrorism, kind of on the forefront of counterterrorism uh, policies and the, and how to work counterterrorism to being in Major League Baseball? Okay, real quick, uh, beat officer, as Mike said, I did seven years on patrol, so I got to know a lot about people in the street and situations. Detective East Harlem, uh, organized crime came after me on a very sensitive case that two of their people were involved and 
Uh, one of them said to me in a station house one night, you're going to make telephone numbers on this case. Well, he learned how quickly or how fast he could get to the exit when he said that. I ended up two years in that case, and I got both of them and uh, moved on to there to homicide. But I went through the ranks. Uh, I gave a, a presentation on domestic terrorism at the St. Regis Hotel in New York. Two people in the audience were from Sports Illustrated. They recruited me to work with Sports Illustrated for the 84 Olympics. I told them I had a real job. Believe it or not, the director of the FBI and the New York City Police Commissioner said, Kevin, if you don't do it, we will. So they <laughs> let me, still the CO, commander of the Joint Terrorism Task Force, went to the Olympics in Los Angeles. They felt me being part of the planning there, if there was going to be terrorism uh, act activity, that it would be good for me to be there. Anyway, somebody apparently thought I did a pretty good job. They recommended to Major League Baseball, this guy might be somebody you ought to look at. And believe me, there was a lot more smarter, high-ranking people than me. I was a police lieutenant slash commander at that time. And uh, the head of agencies wanted that job. And Peter Uberoth figured out with my diversified uh, background in law enforcement uh, that I might be the right guy. And by the grace of God, I got it. And as I said, the first thing I did was to change baseball security by hiring full-time police officers to work for baseball as lead security consultants. And I can tell you, and, and Mike, this is really to what you've accomplished. I was so interested in those police officers. That program was in place. I put it in in 1987, and baseball insiders said, we don't need a cop in our kitchen. Well, they did. And those police officers are, went on to bigger and better opportunities because of their connection to Major League Baseball. The program is still in place. Thousands of police officers have come through the program, and I got the – well, I didn't get them. They looked at what we were doing, NFL, <clears throat> uh, hockey, <clears throat> National Basketball Association adopted it as well. They bought policing – into their security operations as well. There you go. Um, what kind of crazy shit goes on at baseball games, like insider <clears throat> stuff? Has there been like some real, like, because I, I mean, like, we'll go with the past because I don't want you to disclose any sensitive information. This any is, terrorist attacks? You got attacks? your start back in 1984, man. People could still smoke on planes back then. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely right. Uh, well, I tell you, uh, as I mentioned, uh, my background in uh, counterterrorism uh, clearly uh, was appreciated uh, after 9-11. Uh, I worked very, very closely with the stadium operations directors in all the ballparks in the United States. Uh, the FBI, local police departments, everybody became part of the team. And I had a sense of what the strategies were of some of these terrorism and what we needed to do to protect that game. If you recall, after 9-11, the president came to Yankee Stadium uh, for the World Series game. And, and that, that was quite a night uh, and a lot of questions from a lot of people about the safety of uh, that ball game that night. And what I told the media was, I don't want this to be a security event. I want the, this to be a ball game. And it was, and it was a very successful ball game. For that, at that time, were you, when 9-11 happened, were you still on the job or you had you transitioned out at that point? 
No, I had, uh, Mike, I left in, in 1986 after Liberty Weekend in New York. I got you. Okay. Uh, and, and again, what was the name of your book? Over the Wall. Over the Wall. And what made you write that book? What made you write that book? Well, it really was an expression of, of thanks uh, for a rewarding career with NYPD. Uh, and again, it was a chance to talk about all the, the men and women that helped me throughout my career uh, get opportunities uh, to to make a difference. You know, I believe the job was always about service, and I loved the job. My brother was in the job as well, uh, had every medal in the police department, according to the Medal of Honor, up for it twice. We loved it. Uh, we tried to do. We didn't have all the answers, that's for sure, but people just kept giving us opportunity because we did a good job for them. I was seven years on patrol because, as they used to say, I didn't have a hook. I had nobody that could get me into the detective bureau. It took a long time. <clears throat> they sent me to Brooklyn uh, as a starter. I was living in Rockland County, New York, a good distance away. I was out there eight months making arrests every night going home, grabbing three or four hours sleep and back to Brooklyn courts, which were a nightmare. That's so awesome. I, 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 thank the, I thank the job for the opportunity to get into Major League Baseball. Well, we, uh, we, we appreciate it. We love law enforcement officers, and, and anytime that we can support a fellow law enforcement officer, especially somebody who did as many years of service as we can support them in selling their book, uh, we, we always like to try to take as many opportunities as we can. So uh, w one more time, give us like a 30-second before we head out of here, give us a 30-second plug for your book and where they can find it, where they can buy it, and how they can support you. Well, uh, it's clearly a, a full story of, of, of a guy who loved the job, who was in many different uh, parts of the job. Uh, I, I worked with the New Orleans police. I was involved in major, major drug laws uh, uh, with gangs in the Bronx. I ended up like I say, as a Manhattan robbery squad, I was, uh, uh, again, if you will, living it full time. The book can be gotten through Amazon, and it's over the wall under my name, Kevin M. Hallinan, because there's several over the walls, but my name and Amazon, and they'll have it on your doorstep the next day. I believe El Chapo also wrote a book, Over the Wall. Um, <laughs> Over the wall and through the hole, I think, is uh, the subtitle of that. Um, That's sure. it, Mike. You got it. <laughs> oh, Mike with the zingers. As always, guys, this has been another Failure to Stop breakdown. We thank you, Kevin, for coming on with us. You guys, go buy his book. Um, support our sponsor. Oh, today's sponsor. By the way, this would have been a great plug. You don't want to go away. Uh, the United States Concealed Carry Association. Why didn't Paul Pelosi have a freaking gun right next to his thing? And if he did have a gun next to his bed, like I do all the time, um, and he would have put one in this guy's things, he would have needed backup. Nancy wouldn't have been able to save him. If he would have put this guy down, if he would have laid this dude to rest, he would have needed uh, some kind of insurance, somebody to be there. And that's where the United States Concealed Carry Association comes into play. The U.S. Concealed Carry Association and his association with 650,000 members dedicated to helping people make informed decisions. Members receive exclusive benefits geared towards self-defense education, training, and self-defense liability insurance. USSA membership, you will learn to increase your situational awareness, shoot accurately under pressure, Fortify your home, for fuck's sake, Paul. Fortify your home, dude. 
Join the USCCA even if you don't carry a gun just so you can fortify your home. It's ridiculous. The fact that some asshole can bust in your house and just walk right the fuck in, uh, that's what unacceptable. What he needs to do is just get better at throwing wine bottles and pudding at him. Dude, it makes me so mad Hit to think that somebody just walked into that house. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to do that. De-escalate violent situations. Paul, you did a great job de-escalating. I'll give you that. Stop multiple attackers. Protect your family by preparing for legal and financial aftermath. It's not offense. Go over to the uh, www.uscca.com forward slash Wolfpack. Also, if you're still hanging on with us, and there's a bunch of you who still are, I save the best for last. We now, Mike, I don't even think I told you this. We have ammoseek.com, baby. Nice. Ammoseek.com. If you want to buy it's ammo. seeking you want to buy guns, you want to buy holster, gun accessories, sorry, excuse me, go to ammoseek.com, promo code Wolfpack. If you're a shooter, this is a one-stop shop place. You type in what kind of caliber, you know they got those little rounds with the little penis heads on them. You want that? Type it in. They'll find it for you at the best deal. That's what Ammo Seek does. Ammo Seek Never finds heard of that. the best obscure ammo. I'll post it on our Instagram, failure to stop Please Instagram. Don't. It's awesome. Um, if you want tracer rounds, if you want 50 caliber rounds, 30 caliber round you, <laughs> you know you're going for big home defense when you need tracer rounds <laughs> now Dude, that's home defense <laughs> you want it they got it moc.com <laughs> and they'll let you know what's in stock and where it's at which is really important because Dude, it sucks trying to find ammo these days. Uh, with Ammo Seek, all you do is you type it in. They'll tell you where it's at, how much is available, how much you can get it shipped to your house, uh, tax, tag, and title. They do it all Big Bird of Cookie Monster style. So please head over to AmmoSeek.com and use that promo code Wolfpack for us. Support us by supporting our sponsors. Also, leave us a rating and review on the on the old uh, iTunes or on the Spotify. We love to hear your reviews. I want to hear about you popping a blue chew. Buying way too much ammo seek and then laying uh, laying your significant other down on that at ghost bed. I love hearing those things. If you want to see us in Cincinnati, Ohio, DM us. We'll be there uh, Monday and Tuesday. And that's all I got, folks. Giddy up. Guns up. Giddy up. And until next time, guys, cheers. <laughs>